0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Take Cast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I am joined by our friend Ben Baldwin from The Athletic to discuss the state of analytics in the NFL right now. We run through some of the the big questions facing the season. Will the Seahawks let Russell Wilson cook? Where is Aaron Rodgers gonna play his football? Are the Chiefs kind of squandering Mahomes's prime by trading away all of their first-round picks? What should we expect from the Ravens and the Browns this upcoming season? You guys know Ben; he is, uh, you know, basically one of the smartest football data people out there. I always enjoy talking to him, and I think that you guys will enjoy the episode as well. If you want to support the show, you can subscribe on Patreon.com/TakeCast for bonus episodes, or you can leave a rating or review on the Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now let's go ahead and get into the episode. All right, everyone, welcoming in Ben Baldwin back to the show. Uh, multi-time guest, actually had him on a bunch, like in the first 100 episodes of the show, but haven't had him on in a while. So figured right about now, you know, we I, I think the Steelers and the Cowboys report to training camp here in... A couple days. I mean definitely this week because they played the Hall of Fame game in sixteen days. I figured it was a it was a good time to, you know, kind of stop and take a look around the league and see what uh what we might expect to be a little bit different in twenty twenty one. Ben, how are you doing, buddy?
1: Uh, good. Um thanks for having me on. I, I was trying to think of the last time I was on. I think it was early last season and and I was very excited about how Jamal Adams was gonna transform the Seahawks defense into something amazing. So a, a lot has changed since then. So I, I'm excited to talk about football again.
0: Yes. Uh, in fact, the the last time that you and I did the show, it must have been about week six last season because the title of the episode is why they decided to let Russ <laughs> start cooking. Yep. And uh, he cooked, he made some delicious dishes, and then uh, they stopped. They stopped letting Russell Wilson cook. Why? What, what? What is the what is the answer to why they decided to make Russ leave the kitchen?
1: Yeah, so I, I think the theory that makes the most sense is so we all know that um, whatever one's feelings are about Pete Carroll, we we know that he's a defensive minded head head coach. The defense is the one thing that he really cares about, and he, what he wants to do is is protect the football, play good defense, and win games that way. And the the thing that appears to alarm him about throwing the football is, is the increased um, chance for turnovers. And and there was this portion in the middle of the season where I think it was like 10 interceptions in three games, or 10 turnovers, I think it was, in, in three games. And after that is when we really saw um, the, the clamps being put on the Seahawks offense. And that, that seems to be where Wilson's frustration um, originally emerged. So this is kind of a thing we see with defensive-minded head coaches where they, they want to run the ball and, and protect their defense, and it, it's probably not um, the, the best approach if, if you have um, one, of, one of the top um, quarterbacks in the game.
0: Did, did you ever think that there was actually a real chance that, uh, that he would be traded? Did you, did you think that that was actually something that was on the table? Because, I mean, to me, it did seem a little bit ridiculous because I, I didn't see an obvious trading partner for them for Russell Wilson. And it just felt like Pete Carroll is Pete Carroll, the oldest head coach in the NFL, or is Belichick a little bit older? Like it feels like it's too late for them to start like an actual rebuild.
1: Yeah. I, I think so the, the people who are connected to or, or ha- actually have information about the situation, like uh, Michael Sean Dugar, who's the, the beat writer, for the, the athletic he I think he, when he was asked to put percentages on it, I, I think he, he said, it was like, a 95% chance that Wilson will be on the Seahawks this year and maybe uh, like a 25% chance that he will after um, one more season. So it, I think he was pretty much always going to be a Seahawk in 2021, but if there's another dissatisfying ending, then that might be when uh, we, we actually have a realistic um, trade trade talks or, or the chance of actually having a trade. But for this off season, uh, I, I'm with you where it, it never seemed like it was like something that was anywhere close to actually happening.
0: Right. Um, so what are, what are you anticipating from the Seahawks in 2021? I mean, do we think that it's going to be a little bit more cooking? This this offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, you know, he was the Rams passing game coordinator. So I, I, I still think that, you know, we, we saw the Rams run the ball a lot. They were, you know, they, they loved when they had Todd Gurley, but also, you know, and this is a a big topic of discussion right now in fantasy football, like how big is the gap between Matt Stafford and Jared Goff, which I I think by the way, you are of the opinion that the gap is, is smaller than, than most people think. But I, I, I just want to believe that we get, we do get a season of Russ cooking.
1: Yeah, so there, there's the the Seahawks answer and the, and the Rams answer about this question. So for the Seahawks, I'm not super optimistic because of the way like the end of the season went down. So the Seahawks lost. Um, their Wilson, I, I guess the Wilson complaints were later, but the the immediate after that aftermath of that was um, Brian Schottenheimer parting ways with the Seahawks over philosophical differences and. And from what people tend to say, it, it's that Pete Carroll wants to get back to running the football, as he said over and over and over in his kind of end of season press conference where he said teams are playing too high safety looks against us and, and we want to be able to run the football to force them out of that and and make defenses play them how we want to. So it, if Carroll really believes that and hasn't changed his mind over the course of the offseason, then I don't think we should expect a whole lot of uh, cooking during the season, and the, the question is whether the defense will be bad like it was for a good stretch of last year. And they don't really have any uh, proven starting cornerbacks on the roster. So, and, and the pass rush also isn't that inspiring. So, uh, if if one is hoping for a lot of volume from Seattle's passing offense, I, I think the more the more likely route than Carroll having a change of heart is just the defense being bad and and Seattle being forced to throw uh Tuesday in games.
0: Well, you know, that, that is, that is a little bit of a, it's a bummer. It's a bummer to think about. Um, and I, and I also know that uh, one of the, one of the conversations you and I had, and actually I do want to get to the Rams here in a little bit, but what is your estimation of Russell Wilson's talent level after we saw everything play out last season? You know, I, I remember one of the things you said to me last year was that, Russell Wilson might be as good as Patrick Mahomes and that, you know, the big difference is Andy Reid versus Pete Carroll and the, the situations they've been placed in. And I wonder if, if after everything played out last season, if you still feel that way.
1: Yeah. I think that's maybe this is recency bias speaking, but that's probably not uh, defensible anymore. <laughs> um, the, I, I, guess the um, like the super Seahawks Homer answer would be um well, look, Patrick Mahomes finally had to deal with pass protection in the Super Bowl like Russell Wilson has had his entire career. And look, right. look what happened. to you. They didn't score a touchdown in that game. Um, and um, I, I think that's probably a little simplistic because it's one game and it was both starting tackles being out. And Seattle's offensive line has it, it was decent at times um, last year uh, when they weren't playing against the Rams. Um, although those, those Rams games are a different story. So I, I I think to answer your question, it's pretty easy to be down on Wilson after how the season ended. And I think some of that is fair because he genuinely didn't play very well, but also some of it is because they played the Rams like three times in a span of two months over their last nine games or something like that. And they, they just, they couldn't pass protect. And if, if you're a quarterback who has no faith in your offensive line, then that might affect how you play. Now, the problem is they're going to play the Rams at least two times every season. So why would we expect that to change? And, and I think that's a real concern. Um, but in, in terms of how we actually view Wilson, I, I think at the same time, we also shouldn't overweight just those Rams games when we saw how effective he was, uh, especially earlier in the season. And the, we have almost a decade of him playing in the NFL now.
0: I mean, the the NFC West is... I mean it's almost pretty clearly the best division in football now. I mean I think that if Cliff Kingsbury could uh you know get his head out of his own ass for an entire season, like I I I if if Cliff Kingsbury coached like an above average NFL coach, I feel like those are four teams that are all actually capable of winning a Super Bowl. Like I feel like all four teams in the division are actually that good, which is a difficult spot for for the Seahawks to be in
1: yeah I, I fully agree I, I I just spent a lot of time talking about the Rams pass source and defense but the 49ers will also be getting back uh Nick bosa and um, the, they had a lot of injuries last year so that's um, that, that's already four games against really good defenses the and the, the question marks I guess each team has a question mark so with the Rams we don't really know how good to expect Stafford to be with the 49ers obviously they have a, a question mark at what what they're going to do with the with the quarterback situation and and whether they really are rolling with Jimmy G this year. And if they are, how long he actually stays healthy given his career or his past. And then the the cliff factor for the Cardinals. So they're, they're very good teams, but none of them or all of them have kind of questions of, of some form, which, which I think will make this season really
0: interesting. So why don't people believe that Matt Stafford is that much better than Jared Goff? Like uh, I know our, our friend Kevin Cole from PFF is big on this, that Stafford is, is, you know, a largely an overrated player by, By casual fans like what 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 do you think the impetus is for saying stafford is not really that good is it is it truly just because in detroit they didn't they never won games like is it is it really as simplistic as that so i think like at
1: a high level view that that's like the very short answer and then of course lions fans would rightfully say well we had a terrible defense for a lot of this time and yes they're Part of the reason that they lost a lot of games were just because their defense was atrocious, especially in recent years, where their, their their defense in 2020 especially was just very, very, very bad. So it's fair to say he hasn't had a lot of help there. But the, if we look at the things that Stafford can actually control, not the defense, their passing offense has largely not been super great over the course of his career. Um, and the defense of that is that uh, so there's there's a convincing defense and a non-convincing defense. So the, the convincing one is that he had a lot of very bad offensive coordinators um, over the course of his career. Um, it's the Lions. We all like to laugh at the Lions. And, and I think there is some truth to that. And over the last two years, when he had Daryl Bevel, he looked very good in 2019 and then got hurt, unfortunately. And then in 2020, um, probably less so. And then the you have to, like, the argument for him improving a lot is that Sean McVay is, is a much 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 better play caller slash offensive mind than Daryl Bevel and I think it's easy to be talked into him being better I don't think many people would disagree with that but in terms of like a completely different galaxy that's what I'm not sure about and the argument about improvement that I really don't buy is that the surrounding talent and with the Rams is going to be um meaningfully better than with the Lions they're I don't think their offensive line is much better pass protecting and the receivers for the rams aren't what they were in 2017 2018 when when goff was doing really well
0: so i they're I think- they're pretty good though like like woods woods is very good at what he does cup like not there is not a dk metcalf calvin john you know there's not like there's not an aj brown on the roster right but i would say like higby i think is an above average receiving tight end I, I personally think Daryl Henderson is an above average receiving back, like a guy who can create, and you know, not not Alvin Kamara, maybe like a James White quality guy to like add value when you throw him the ball. And I mean, if they are able to get anything out of Deshaun Jackson, if they're able to use Tutu Atwell in this like jet sweep space creation role, I mean, I thought that Atwell pick was a total disaster. But like I, <laughs> I, I see... I see I see the argument for it. My, my thing with Stafford is this, these have been his head coaches and, and play callers, right? Matt Patricia, Dave Caldwell, Jim Schwartz. Like, I mean, just like say that out loud to yourself and be like, those were the guys who were in charge of the organization where Stafford has been. And one of the biggest things we have learned over the last several years, as we have learned more about football, as we have learned more about how these things interact is, is coaching has just a gigantic impact on how offenses perform because, you know, coaches are, are so stubborn. And if, if you are doing everything, if you are losing expected points in almost everything you do, how can you expect someone to, how can you expect the players to succeed?
1: Yeah. And. And yeah, that that has to be if if you're a believer that the that Stafford is going to have his year year 13 in the league or whatever it is explosion, then then it really has to be coaching as as the primary driver for that. And and again, it, as play callers, it really comes down to how you view Bevel and uh, McBay, I think.
0: Yeah, and I, I view, so I think there's like a little bit of like fake sharp to McVay. Like clearly they run the ball a lot. He actually, McVay is not aggressive on fourth downs. You, you would expect Sean McVay to be uh, aggressive on fourth downs and in the red zone and stuff, but he really is not. Like that's one of the things that has kind of taken the shine off of the apple. But I am also I am also very convinced by this argument, and I wonder if you are as well, Everything that McVay has done as the head coach of the Rams has been reflected of him most intimately knowing what Jared Goff can and can't do and basing his offense around, I mean, basically the weaknesses of of Jared Goff. And I I feel like, I also feel this way a little bit about the Bears this season where, uh, you know, Matt Nagy had his hands tied behind his back coaching Mitch Trubisky, Chase Daniel, and Nick Foles. And I feel like, we are kind of discounting some of the things that these coaches could do because of the quarterbacks that they have been coaching.
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree that there's some truth to that. What sort of gives me pause is thinking about like how good Goff looked in 2017 and most of 2018. And then thinking right. about why he looked, why, why he hasn't looked as good because he, he's still Jared Goff. He's been Jared Goff this whole time. And if the decline has been driven in part by uh, maybe the league catching up to what McVeigh has been trying to do, or the decline in the kind of talent on the offensive side of the ball, with both the offensive line and the receiving weapons. If it's more about the latter pieces, with the league catching up and, and the Rams losing talent, then I think that should also inform how our, our expectations for what will happen when when Stafford goes there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think. I, I find myself being very bullish on um, the Rams, like for fantasy football, like which is not which does not always translate to to real football. Right. And I mean, one of the things that we also have found out in this new age of like understanding how football works is defensive performance year over year and ends, ends up not being that sticky that yep. like, oh, you, you have one guy, you have one guy get hurt or one guy just not perform as well. Like that just happens all the time. I mean the the Rams were the Rams were so clearly the best defense in in football last year. They were I mean, how many how much of their games and, and wins were a result of how good that defense was? Like a like a huge part of it. To give people an idea of that, the expect and this is very basic, but the expected points that the Rams defense created was 85.89. And this is the metric that they use on Pro Football Reference. There were only three teams total that had positive expected points on defense at all. And the other two were the Steelers and the Washington football team, two teams with bad offenses that were drugged to the playoffs by the strength of their defense. But if the Rams come back to the pack at all, if they are closer to what the Washington football team did on defense last year, the offense is going to have to be much better.
1: Yeah. And that's um, for real football. I think that's, that's part of the argument about the the overall impact that we should expect Stafford to have is, even if Stafford is a lot better than Goff, which I, I think is a totally reasonable opinion to have, then the question is whether that will be enough to counteract the expected regression on defense. Because as you said, we already know that defense is unstable, but probably especially for a defense that lost its defensive coordinator and uh, one of their best players in um, the safety, John Johnson, as well as um, they, they lost one of their, I think they're starting nickel corner and maybe a couple other pieces too. So it would be very surprising if their defense were able to um, replicate what they did um, this, this past season. And, and the question is, uh, for a team that got to the divisional, divisional round and, and was sort of competitive but not super competitive in that game, will the expected improvement at the quarterback situation be enough to offset um, what we think might happen with their defense?
0: Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I am undecided on that. Honestly, like I don't, I don't, you know, I don't really know what's, uh, what the answer is. Like I, I, the, the main things I expect to be different are, I expect like a lot more down the field throwing. Like I expect the average depth of target for woods and cup to rise a little bit if Deshaun Jackson can somehow survive through the season, I expect them to use him quite a bit. Same for Atwell. I mean, I I'm afraid the first time Atwell gets tackled in the NFL, like it's just going to be it for him. Like Tutu, Tutu Atwell weighs as much as like your kid brother. Like it's, it's bizarre.
1: Yeah. He, he is a, a very small person. So it's going to be interesting to see both how they use them and, and how he holds up in the NFL.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, and then I guess we should talk about the team that they lost to the green Bay Packers, because I, I mean, the green Bay Packers, no one believes in them except for like, uh, it's so funny. No one in the analytics community or even like fantasy football Twitter believes in the green Bay Packers at all, but they are, they are, you know, back-to-back NFC championship loss teams. um, And, and they 13 and three, both of the seasons under, under Matt LaFleur now, the of course the, the 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 gulf in coverage of Aaron Rodgers from 2019 to 2020 is so funny. Like everyone, everyone in our world knew that Aaron Rodgers was was not that good in 2019, and and the the numbers do bear that out. Just in terms of like basic arithmetic numbers, in 2019 they went 13 and three, and they were 15th in the NFL in points scored. Now last year they were number one in the NFL in points scored. They were fantastic. Um, I mean, how how miserable was that for your Twitter experience as Aaron Rodgers was nuking the NFL?
1: Yeah, so um, it's kind of weird because I don't like people say that I was proved wrong in 2020 based on what happened. But like, I never said that Rodgers never could play better again. We've seen him do it in the past. He won MVPs in 2011 and 2014. So if I had come out and said we will never see Aaron Rodgers play at a high level again, I like that would have been a stupid position to take. It was, it was just his his play at the time, and um so, and this was in 2019, is his play the over the past few seasons had not been kind of commensurate with what people remembered with how he had played um in his early MVP seasons or or what people were even thinking. And and even if, like, to go to watch the games, like, you just see him missing throws, not throwing to open receivers, like, holding the ball when he shouldn't be holding the ball. Like, all these things are pretty easy to notice. And a lot of that, uh, like, all those struggles, of taking too many sacks uh, as well, he, all of that transformed in 2020. And he, his accuracy improved. He talked about um, throwing in rhythm, and he was obviously playing within the offense more. And. To his credit, he played a lot better, and and uh, people tried to dunk on me a lot. And I mean, that that's fine. That's part of what fandom is. Is like it's football. This should be fun. And and if you view someone as an antagonist, um, which um, how I use my Twitter account is is totally fair. If people want to for sure, um, <laughs> yeah. If people want to try to shove Rogers' success in my face, then that, that that's fine. It's football. It should be fun. Um, so. Um, yeah, it was, it, I did not expect it going into the season, but I was wrong. And, um, credit to Rogers for uh, playing better. And and I really found their, their offense, uh, fun to watch last year. And we'll, we'll see if we get to see him in green Bay again this year.
0: Yeah. Based on, based on your reading of the tea leaves. I mean, I guess, it, so we are recording this right now, the morning of Wednesday, July 21st, it's nine forty AM central time. I mean, by the time we record this and by the time I post it this afternoon, um, you know, we might, we literally could have something change. I, 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 it's kind of like a bummer though, because what I anticipate happening is kind of a Farvian ending for his career in Green Bay where it's, he's clearly unhappy. The franchise, you know, is kind of sick of him. He's kind of sick of the franchise. I mean, I, the way my, my reading of the situation is that he's still mad about the Jordan Love pick, which he should be because it's one of the worst picks of all time. Um, you know, I think that'll go down with like, uh, you know, Trent Richardson in the first round and things like that in terms of being one of the, or, or Leonard Fournette at, at fourth overall as being one of the worst picks. But then also I feel like so much of this is literally about that dumbass field goal call that LaFleur made at the end of the Tampa Bay game. I, I truly feel like if they went back in time and redid that, m- maybe the relationship would be different between the two. I think it was that bad of a decision.
1: Yeah, and and certainly if you if you want to play the results based game, like if they had gone for it and succeeded and ended up winning the game and winning the Super Bowl, then we're probably not hearing about any of this because nobody's nobody's going to be that unhappy right. after um, after the Super Bowl and and even the process. So everything that has been reported has been that Rodgers doesn't have any issue with Lafleur and they have a great relationship and it's more about like the higher ups in the Packers. But um, to your point, I'm I'm sure that that, that did not help the situation.
0: Yeah. And, and I don't even really get from like an organizational standpoint, what, what are they trying to prove by not giving him any wide receivers? Like last year is like this all time, amazing wide receiver grouping. I I think that the 2020 NFL draft might end up being the best group of wide receivers we ever see. Like there's so many players from that class who are unbelievable. I just, I feel so bad that they took Jordan Love in that draft. So
1: I think so. The Packers, I'll put on my Packers hat, uh, Packers fan hat, and defend it. So okay, um, they had we we just said that they had the best offense in the league last year. So clearly their their offense was great. They had, they had a great offensive line. They have Devontae Adams and and their secondary pieces were at, at receiver were obviously enough to get them to be a good offense. And from the front office perspective, we just talked about how. Um, Aaron Rodgers play had been declining so it maybe wasn't unreasonable for them to be thinking about um, his replacement at at some point and like we saw how they drafted Rodgers to get on in front of the far thing now obviously it blew up in their face because Rodgers proved a lot of people wrong um, last year but in the moment I don't know if I hated it that much now we we could also talk about the rest of their draft where they used their second round pick on AJ Dillon and their third round pick on like a check and
0: Jessia Josiah, <laughs> Josiah Deguerra, the
1: H back. Yeah, exactly. So um yes, I and, and that's not to say that Rogers doesn't have the right to be upset about the Jordan Love pick, especially with them not um letting him giving him a heads up ahead of time. I, I think that is probably like more th- even more than the pick itself. Number one, not telling him beforehand, and number two, not making the financial commitment to keep Rogers in Green Bay as long as he wanted because I think what Rogers probably wants is to be able to leave the Packers on his own terms, but they were very reluctant to give him guarantees, uh, extending out longer and then drafted his replacement. So it, it, it's understandable to some extent what the front office did and understandable why Rogers is upset. And that, that's why I think this is interesting because you can't really say that either party is necessarily in the wrong, but at some point they're either
0: Roger. I I think, I think the Packers are in the wrong. That's my read of the situation. I think that the Packers front office is in the wrong. I think that, and, and by the way, I feel the same way about the Patriots with Brady. Like I I feel like at every other position, running back, wide receiver, defensive end, whatever. I I think it is fine to have the the Patriots mentality of like, Oh, I'd rather get rid of them a year early than a year too late. But I, I feel like and, and even from like, if you really want to be cold from like a business sense, right? Like in terms of like selling jerseys and fan commitment and loyalty, I feel like with quarterbacks, you just got it. You like, whatever they want, you got to pay them. You got to draft who they want. Like, I, I that that's just how I feel. Like if, if the, like the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire thing with the chiefs, right. Yep. You can get mad at it. You can be like Brett Veach. You're an idiot. But like, when you hear Mahomes is like, get me Clyde. I'm like, well. I don't know. I think you probably just got to draft Clyde. Like on, like honestly, even though it's this disaster of a pick that sets the franchise back like years in terms of like setting up their money and like you know they really should have drafted an offensive lineman or a cornerback with that pick. I I feel like I don't know. You just got to do what the quarterback wants.
1: Yeah. So I don't I don't really disagree, um, but I think the situations are somewhat different because Mahomes is like 25 years old, and the the prior two seasons before the Ceh pick had. He was MVP one season, and then Super Bowl MVP the next season, and he's going to be your franchise for the next ten years. So yeah, if a home demands something, then yeah, you're going to do it. But with Rogers, he was like at the time he was 36, and his last elite like elite season from front to back had been five years before. Five years ago, yeah. 2016
0: was his last really elite year.
1: Yeah, and even the first half of 2016, he wasn't um, that great. Obviously, he he went on a scorched earth tour for the, the second half of the season, but it was kind of a half season of greatness. And, and 2014 was the last MVP season. But if, and, and the hard part is knowing like, yes, you you should give some deference to your quarterbacks, but it, you, it also depends on like where in, in your organization's relationship with him um, you are. And, and maybe they should have, Given an nod to Rogers based on his potential and what we saw in the past, but I don't uh, I don't think it's as obvious now as as or as obvious then as, as maybe it is now. But I'm I'm probably also not biased in this.
0: <laughs> yeah. We're not so, biased. yeah. I, I wanna talk a little bit about the Chiefs too, because I I do feel like Brett Veach is doing a pretty bad job um, with their roster. Like I feel like the contracts they've given out the decision to trade all these first round picks. I I feel like they are setting up to actually kind of be, and I hate to do this to you, but kind of like a Seahawks situation where you're like, all right, Russ, all right, Mahomes, like you go do it because the defense isn't very good. No, I I think the Chiefs offensive line will be much better this season than it was last year. They drafted uh, a guy in the second round. They traded the pick for, Orlando Brown, and they're they're getting Duvernay-Tardif, who opted out last season. Um, you know they're getting a lot of guys back who were injured towards the end of last season. But I I still don't think the defense will be very good. And they only offered Juju Smith-Schuster one year, eight million dollars. They should have offered him more money because the Chiefs, who are Super Bowl favorites, are going to be relying on McCole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, and Cornell Powell. One of those guys is going to actually have to be good. Or it's going to get tight, I think, for for the Chiefs, even on offense. And you would never think that that would be something you'd say about an Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes offense. But one of those guys is actually going to have to play well.
1: Yeah, and and the the example of this is the the two Super Bowls they made it to, where in the Super they in both Super Bowls they played against great defenses, but in one they had kind of this tertiary receiving option um, come forward and make plays this is Sammy Watkins. Yeah, Wat- and-
0: <laughs> Watkins had like a 70 yard touchdown in that game, right?
1: I uh I don't know if he had that but there he he definitely had a couple like pretty big plays there. There was that play late in the game where he was one-on-one with Sherman and then beat him down the right sideline and then I think yeah, another one. Yeah,
0: he he didn't it was the it was the Tennessee game that he that he scored but he had 5 for 98 and you're right. That that one it was the drive extending it was the – he had the play that set up the Clyde edwards layer touchdown. Watkins did.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and that's – like you need – against elite defenses, you you need some other – like Kelsey and Hill are great players, obviously, but if, if they're your only two viable threats, then the when you get to elite defenses in the playoffs, if, if you have to play against them, then they – might have more of a shot of shutting those guys down and you you need someone else to step up um, like Watkins was able to so yeah I I think they're going back to the the Chiefs I I think their investment like high high level of resource allocation is not the best and the the Frank Clark trade is the (laughs) the easy one to um so
0: fucking bad god (laughs) damn it it's so bad because he wasn't even It's not like Frank Clark at the time was like this edge rusher that you're like, Oh, he's going to destroy offensive lines. He's going to be, he is going to tear. It's like, he's a good edge rusher, but he wasn't like all world.
1: Yeah. And he, and disappointingly from the chief's perspective, he like, I don't think he's even been as good in Kansas city as he was in Seattle. And that's disappointing because he was relatively young when they traded for him. So you would hope that he would take this step forward, but I guess he got his money and, um, was good (laughs) and obviously there's no off-field issues with Clark as well but I mean do you want
0: to do you want to do you want to guess how many sacks he's had as a chief
1: um I know he's had a lot in the playoffs I don't know about the regular season
0: (laughs) he's had 14 sacks in the regular season and 20 tackles for loss and 29 quarterback hits
1: yeah the yeah the, the quarterback hits part that is pretty uninspiring for a full-time pass rusher over two seasons but chiefs fans Pri- will say- prime,
0: prime age too right 26 27 not like he's not like he's over the hill yet and he's probably not even going to be on the team this year because he's probably going to be in jail
1: yeah chiefs fans will say he won them the super bowl with all the sacks in the playoffs um i obviously i don't i, I don't agree with that but that that will be the counter. i mean i i
0: will i will give it to him that he has been good in the playoffs i i will not try and take that away from him that he he has been Uh, a key perform I mean he has eight he has 14 regular season sacks and eight postseason sacks
1: yeah and I think like from the Chiefs perspective they're trading away all these first round picks or early round picks and it it feels like they're like in a sense going all in even though their franchise quarterback is in his mid-20s and there's really no reason to do this like you should be playing the long game and giving yourself the best shot at competing every year because Mahomes is going to have you in the mix. And if you're throwing away all these early draft picks, that, that's a, an avenue for getting talented guys on, on cost control deals for a long time that you are uh, missing out on now.
0: Well, I, I think that Veach also sees, uh, if I'm going to be charitable, I think that Veach sees an opportunity in the AFC right now Cause I think the chiefs, if you had their decision makers in uh, like, if you had them on truth serum, I think they'd say, we don't worry about the Buffalo bills at all. Like, you, you know, that, you know, that, uh, that scene in mad men where he's like, Oh, I feel bad for you. And, and uh, John Hamm says, I don't think about you at all. I think, I think you, I think that is a thing between the bills and the chiefs. I, I, I can never see the bills beating the chiefs in a playoff game. Like that seems absurd to me. Ben Roethlisberger's at the end of his rope. The Chiefs have clearly shown that the Ravens are the Ravens have a very effective style of football, but it doesn't work when you're down 10 points. And it doesn't mean that that'll be true forever. And I'm pretty bullish on Lamar. But I I think they just see the AFC as their conference right now. All the good teams are in the NFC. That's really the way it is.
1: So what good teams are there in the NFC other than the Buccaneers with a 40 something year old quarterback? And I, I guess depending on what happens with the Packers.
0: Well, I think the Seahawks are good. I think the Rams are good. I think the Packers are good. Um, I think the Buccaneers are good. And I think that there are a couple things that can happen. One, an above average defensive or above average Ryan Fitzpatrick season from the Washington football team. Cause that defense is, I don't believe in this at all. Like, I don't think <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick is that guy, but that's the argument you could make. And then If the Cowboys could even be league average on defense, if they could even be the 15th best defense in football, they would be so miserable to play against because I just don't, there's not a defense that exists for that offense.
1: Yep. Yeah. They, if Dak returns to being fully healthy with their receivers and if if their offensive line stays healthy, then yeah, they, they could be awesome. Fingers crossed. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but I just think I think you know like and again does any does anyone really believe the Browns are going to win a Super Bowl like I don't know I don't I, and I love Baker Mayfield I've I've watched Baker Mayfield in college I love him but don't I I feel myself uninspired by the Browns
1: yeah I mean, the Chiefs played half a playoff game with without Mahomes against the Browns and still won so I I I could buy the argument for them not being super worried about the Browns I I think the one team that would that I would be somewhat worried about would be the bills um just because like i think josh allen is a inherently high variance player and if you happen to be going against the bills in a in a great josh allen game then the, the bills could probably score enough points to keep up with the chiefs but um yeah that that's the one the one team i I would be somewhat concerned about but there the, the bills would never be favored against the chiefs
0: no they wouldn't um I, the the one team that would worry me, and I always want the Chiefs to win, because I, I I I said this the other day on TV. I said, I'm not really a Chiefs fan. I'm just a Mahomes fan, because you know, mm. I grew up rooting for the Cowboys and everything, but I lived in Kansas City in, in the peak of Mahomes mania, and there was no way I was ever going to avoid it. But if the Ravens, if Lamar turned into – I mean, obviously he's – this is a good question. Do you think Lamar is the best running quarterback ever? Do you think he is better than – Vic was at his peak
1: i i I think i'm i'm not qualified to answer that because i was in grad school when Vic was playing and no exposure to the outside world but uh lamar is awesome so probably (laughs) yeah
0: and i i don't i don't think i'd want to put my name on that take but i would at least like not laugh it off because i mean he is so crazy as a rusher i mean like averaging an insane amount of yards, like led the NFL in yards per carry each of the last two seasons, um, doesn't, does not lose fumbles all that often, which you see with running quarterbacks a lot, that they, they don't protect the ball that well. Um, he, he's fumbled 19 times, but I think he's only lost like four of them. Um, so I, I just think he's great. But then if he would become a league – like if he even became Baker Mayfield as an in-the-pocket drop-back passer – I feel like that makes them like crazy difficult to try and beat.
1: Yeah. And, and the hope is that them finally adding receiving talent um, by using their a first round pick on a wide receiver will also make it um, uh, help him with, with the throwing outside the numbers and, and deep and things like that. Um, I, I think the, another concern for the Ravens is that their, their style of defense just doesn't seem to match up well with the chiefs um, because the Ravens,
0: Everybody or or has- the bills, or the bills, for that matter. No, yeah, the bills.
1: The, the Ravens are like we we say the defense is unstable from year to year, but but the Ravens do tend to have pretty good defenses every year. But then whenever they play the Chiefs, they just get shredded, and that that's also makes <laughs> makes things hard for them.
0: Yeah, I I mean I and and you know the the Ravens are of course you know there there are Ravens right. We all we all love them because they seem so analytically inclined, and and I have been making this point on every podcast this summer that, you know, half of their targets last season. If you just, if you just go look at uh, the, the Baltimore Ravens in 2020, their target distribution, uh, 48 went to Willie Sneed, 33 to Miles Boykin, 26 to Devin DuVernay, 17 to Nick Boyle, 13 to Gus Edwards, 12 to Patrick Ricard. And then Des Bryant. I mean, people forget 33 year old Des Bryant was playing a bunch of snaps in, in the end of the season, like he was in their playoff game and that is not ideal. And now those snaps are going to be Bateman, Sammy Watkins, Tylen Wallace. And that s- should be a huge improvement because again, another thing that we've understood more as we've learned more and more about football is the relationship between wide receiver performance and quarterback efficiency.
1: Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. All, all the new evidence we, we get points to, um receiver play being really important and and on the the defensive side um defensive back play and and this shouldn't be surprising because we know that passing is so much more efficient than rushing so what happens at the catch point uh on both sides of the ball goes goes a long way to determining who wins and loses football games
0: yeah so i i mean i i am personally as like i i love lamar jackson Um, I think he's amazing. Like, I think he's a a good dude. I, I love, I mean, I love to watch him play. I, I want these things to be true. Like I want Lamar to be a more accurate passer. It, I mean, that, that playoff game against the bills was so hard to watch. Like it was so brutal to watch him just like not have any answers to see Harbaugh not have any answers. Like that was, I I don't want to watch that. No one wants to watch that.
1: Yeah, that was rough. Although the I think the asterisk on that is that the weather was the weather in that game. So I, we can we can give a, a pass for that one. And the, the the more discouraging one I think was how that the Titans playoff game the year before went because that was that was pretty rough too at times.
0: Yeah, that game was super noisy too. Though, if you really want to, if you really want to put asterisks on things, he had yep. Mark Andrews streaking, running to the end zone uncovered, and it just butterfingered off of Andrew's hands and turned into an interception the Titans go down and score you know that I mean that's at least a 10 point swing probably they would have at least gotten a field goal out of that drive the Titans go down and score uh you know who who knows what ends up happening in that game Mark Andrews one of the most frustrating players to watch in all of football because it feels like feels like he's always open it feels like Mark Andrews is open 100% of the time and he he I I know our new thing is that drops don't matter that much to wide receiver skill, but it feels like he drops a lot of passes.
1: Yeah. They're, even if they're not like sticky from year to year, they're even as a fan, they're demoralizing to watch both from a, I hope this team wins perspective and a, a, for people playing fantasy, wanting people to catch things perspective.
0: Yeah. Probably the most mad I've ever been playing fantasy football is watching Mark Andrews drop passes. That could have won me money. Very, very frustrating. (laughs) Uh, okay. I want to talk, I want to talk about the quarterback rotation for the New Orleans saints, because this has been, uh, this has been like an analytics take for a long time that like, there are probably situations in teams where it would make sense for there to be a quarterback rotation, but we've never really seen it. Well, maybe there was some team before I even was really paying. I feel like maybe the giants did it back in the day I, I've heard I've heard legends and rumors that there was a team that had like a red zone quarterback back in the day, but it feels like Jameis and Taysom Hill might actually be the perfect marriage of a quarterback platoon like there are clear game situations clear down and distances where you prefer Jameis, and then clear game situations and clear down and distances where you'd want Taysom Hill.
1: Yeah, I agree that if there is a situation that you're going to do it, this is probably it because. They like you said they have different skill sets, and also there's not the issue of um, a lot of people raise like you don't want to have a platoon because it can stunt the development of like if you happen to draft a quarterback or something. But both of these guys have been in the league for many, many, many seasons, so it like they're they're old. They they presumably know their stuff already, and that and that's not a concern. So you should deploy them in a way that um, optimizes your chances of winning, basically. Um, will they actually do that? Um, well, we saw Taysom rotate in and out when, uh, even when Breeze was healthy. So it, it seems like that's something that Sean Payton is open to, but the question is whether if he does make Taysom the starting quarterback, what that means for Jameis coming in. And um, I don't really have a good sense of that, but my my hope is that um, we get to see Jameis play for the Saints um, in a starring role um because I I don't think he was like he threw he had yes he had an interception problem with the Buccaneers um but it's also been a few seasons since that happened and and I think
0: and he got not- LASIK dude he got LASIK he really got
1: LASIK so um I like in terms of like if I were the coach I would roll with Jameis and see where he could get me and if it was clearly not going well after half the season or something then maybe I would turn to Taysom but um seems like Sean Payton loves Taysom Hill so we'll we'll see what happens
0: I mean Taysom Hill is on like an absurd contract like Taysom Hill makes a ton like he makes way more money than Jameis does um and for a long time you know he was playing wide receiver he was playing tight end he was he was a punt gunner and like also taking wildcat snaps I I feel like probably Jameis will start the season. What I what I am worried about, though, is that he just will have an extremely short leash that like it'll be that it'll be like if he throws a second interception in a game, it's going to be Taysom ground and pound ball control time.
1: Yeah, that's definitely possible. And and that'd be unfortunate because if that's the case and if if Jameis knows that, then it's probably hard to play quarterback to the best of your ability if you're constantly looking over your shoulder and knowing that you're one mistake away from getting benched.
0: Yeah. Um, all right, is there is there any other interesting like big uh, I, maybe the, actually you know what maybe the Dolphins are kind of interesting. They went 10 and six last year. They benched Ryan Fitzpatrick when they had a winning record. what What are your thoughts on they went four and three with Fitz. They went six and three with Tua. What are your thoughts on you know like is does Tua show to you things that can make him like a franchise level quarterback? Do you think? He has more ability than he showed last season.
1: Um, I I think that's what the Dolphins need to find out this year. And and to their credit, they've, they added a lot to their wide receiver room and yeah, they of... did
0: the bills thing they did. They did what the bills did for Josh Allen.
1: Yeah. And that's like, if you really want to find out about your quarterback, then you, you have to take away the excuse of, Oh, this guy didn't have anybody to throw to. So hopefully um, I can't remember how many games Will Fuller is suspended for, but um, hopefully um, once he comes back, then we'll
0: learn. Just um, just one. He's just suspended for the first game of the season. Okay, that's that's, that's not bad. <laughs> no, um, and I mean Will Will Fuller is like Will Fuller is like the poster boy for wide receiver performance impacts quarterback play because uh, like Deshaun Watson was like a yard and a half better per attempt when Fuller was on the field versus off.
1: Yeah, he Fuller is the poster child for. Um, <laughs> on off metrics um, there there's a lot of caveats to how meaningful these are but yeah So when he was on the field the, the Texans offense was absolutely much 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 better so um, if we still see Tua struggling then I, I think the, the Dolphins should start seriously considering what they're going to be doing uh, at the position and even this year they had um the number six pick and could have taken justin fields and if i were them i would have pun- oh my god dude!
0: <laughs> this but- this justin fields thing i can't even believe this has ever gotten to this point but like i am now in the corner of of like matt nagy and i never thought this would happen in my life because i loved like everyone else to to bash on matt nagy but i feel like i feel like the he and the bears front office just saw this generational quarterback prospect available where I, I can't remember they trade up at nine to get him or 11 maybe I, I don't remember exactly where but like that felt like the most no-brainer thing ever like we're gonna look back on zach wilson going two and trey lance going three and be like what was going on like it was so clear how good justin fields was in college
1: yeah, and and teams like the Broncos and Panthers and Falcons, like there's so many teams that pass on him that there's definitely the potential in three years or five years for us to look back like we do at teams passing on Mahomes and being like, what what were these, what were these teams doing? Like this guy was awesome in college and doesn't have any red flags of any kind, but still somehow fell. I, I think it was the 11th pick in the draft, um, which yeah, which is quite a fall for a quarterback.
0: Well, I heard I I have heard from from football people that the red flag with Justin Fields is that he has a long release that it takes him longer than like the average college quarterback or whatever to get the ball from like, you know, his his pocket to like delivered, which again, you know, I I don't know if that's uh, first off, I don't even know if that's true. And second off, I don't even know if that's something that's like really impactful at the NFL level. But that is, that is what I've heard. I think the Broncos also dumb as shit. I mean, They have Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, Albert O, Tim Patrick, right? They draft uh, Seth Williams, who's like this uh, analytics darling wide receiver prospect. They even have a good defense. They're sitting there and they take a cornerback on the clock instead of Justin Fields to go into the season with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, it just, it feels like a joke.
1: Yeah. If if they don't end up trading for Rodgers, then yeah, that is going to look like a huge missed opportunity for them. Yeah.
0: All right. I mean, I think that was, uh, I think that was, I think we covered a lot of the things I wanted to get to Uh, what, what can people look out coming from you on, uh, on the athletic?
1: Um, Yeah, I've, I've been um, (laughs) not exactly churning out content lately, but um, if, if anything does come, then I'll be tweeting tweeting it out on uh, Ben B Baldwin, the Twitter handle.
0: Yep. And uh, you know, of course, as, uh, as the season gets closer, Ben will have uh, many great Seahawks updates and, and hopefully some, some good Aaron Rodgers content on his timeline as well. Uh everyone follow Ben. Thank you for listening to the show and we'll be back next week.